98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. Tonight's headlines. Joblessness hits a nine-month high in the SAR and an economist warns it may climb further before easing. COVID cases continue to fall with 628 infections reported, down by 40 from the day before. And President Xi Jinping proposes making Asia the anchor for world peace and the powerhouse for global growth. Hong Kong's unemployment rate has hit its highest level in nine months. The jobless rate for the three months ending March climbed to 5%, up from 4.5% previously. Labour Chief Lord Chikwong says the job market came under severe pressure in the fifth wave of the epidemic. An economist from Natixis, Gary Ng, says he expects unemployment to rise further before reversing course. It's quite likely that there's like some room for increase to around 5.2%. It's not like a massive increase. However, uh, indeed, things haven't really improved that much in the, I mean, most of the April. And therefore, uh, it's quite likely that a lot of employers may still be rather uh, conservative in terms of employing more people. And of course, beyond the domestic uh, restriction, there's also a risk that Hong Kong is facing uh, uneven recovery in different sectors. And of course, on the one hand, finance and logistics have done quite well and retail catering accommodation or construction will probably pick up when the restrictions are lifted. Health officials have reported 628 COVID infections, 40 down from the day before. All but 25 were local. There were 26 more deaths. The Centre for Health Protection also received reports that five school staff and two students had come down with the virus. A total of six schools were involved and five of the patients had recently been on campus. The centre's Albert O said the figures were expected and the most important thing is that teachers and pupils test themselves every day before going to school. If the number of cases exceed the expected level, for example, uh, over 5% of the students or staff in the schools were tested positive on a single day, then we will carry out some epidemiological investigations to see if the school require any further and or enhanced measures to control the transmission, including class suspension. But there is no any uh, hard and fast threshold for uh, class suspension. We will investigate every single outbreak individually to determine the appropriate measures. President Xi Jinping has proposed making Asia the anchor for world peace and the powerhouse for global growth. Addressing the annual Bauer Forum for Asia via video link, Mr Xi said the world does better when the region fares well. Without referring to anything specific, he said Beijing opposes unilateral sanctions and what he called long-arm jurisdiction. The president added that decoupling and pressure tactics such as cutting off supply chains won't work. In this day and age, the international community has developed into a complex, delicate and organic machine. Acts to remove any single part will cause serious difficulties in operation. When that happens, both the victim and the initiator of such acts will stand to lose. And in today's world, unilateralism and an excessive pursuit of self-interests are doomed to fail. So are the practices of decoupling, supply disruption and maximum pressure. So are the attempts to force small circles or to stoke conflict and confrontation along ideological lines. The central and SAR governments have both denounced Google a day after the tech giant shut down the YouTube campaign channel of chief executive candidate John Lee. Frank Jung reports. Foreign Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin accused Google of becoming a political tool of the United States government and of interfering in other countries' affairs when it terminated Mr. Lee's channel to comply with Washington's sanctions. 
Mr. Wang accused the U.S. of trying to disrupt the upcoming chief executive election, but said any such effort would fail. Hours later, the Hong Kong government said all sectors of society strongly oppose and express extreme outrage at any form of foreign interference. That includes efforts to disrupt next month's polls by undermining freedom of speech and the dissemination of information, as well as fairness and impartiality on the internet. It added the government will make sure the CE election is conducted in a fair, just, and open manner. And on to the weather. It will become cloudy overnight. The minimum temperature will be about 23 degrees. It'll be hot with sunny periods and one or two showers tomorrow, and a maximum temperature of about 29 degrees. And we can expect light to moderate east to southeasterly winds. In the outlook, we can expect sunny intervals and a few showers in the next few days. Currently, 24 degrees and 87% humidity. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The hospitality industry has been welcoming back diners following the relaxation of social distancing rules, and says it will hopefully and finally improve their income. Restaurants can now provide dine-in services up to 10 p.m. for the first time since the Omicron outbreak began in early January, as Damon Pang reports. Wong Kitlong, who heads the Institution of Dining Art, said his group's restaurants are almost fully booked for the next two weeks, which brings businesses almost back to pre-pandemic level. But he told Commercial Radio that since only four people are allowed per table, traditional Chinese restaurants may not benefit as much, even though they can now host banquets for a maximum of 20 guests. If the 20 people have to sit at five tables, not everyone would rush to make a booking for Chinese restaurants, even for Mother's Day. But at a restaurant in Mongkok, people were eager to eat together in groups of four for the first time in more than three months. They included this woman who brought her parents to enjoy dim sum again. She said her parents have been bored because they couldn't see other people. Just making phone calls isn't enough, she said. It's much better being able to meet up. The restaurant's manager said the place was notably busier and noisier as people got more chatty. He estimated that businesses was up by about 30% compared to the past couple of months when he was only allowed to sit two people per table. It's a different story for operators of bars and mahjong parlors who have urged the government to let them reopen. They say it's unfair; they have to remain shut when the COVID situation has eased and other premises are back in business. The operator, operator said they follow COVID rules and their businesses aren't particularly high risk. Chris Cheung, a mahjong parlor sector representative, said the authorities should also give them more financial relief. We appreciate for the help of the government, but we don't want to look like a beggar because what the government paid pay to us is really not equivalent to what we lost. At least some reasonable amount, a really small amount, we cannot support the livelihood of the staff and the livelihood of the operators. If the government continue to use this kind of、uh, epidemic measurement to like、uh, suppress our industry or to fight against the epidemic, you know what? We see no future for us at all. Not only for our industry, but for other industries as well. Four students who are infected with COVID and two who are being quarantined will sit their university entrance exam at the Penny's Bay quarantine facility tomorrow. Natalie Ching reports. The Hong Kong Examinations and Assessment Authority said each of the students will take their English exam in a room at the Penny's Bay facility and be monitored by an invigilator in another room via webcam. The exam process will also be recorded. 
Using a broadcast system, invigilators will instruct them to begin and stop writing, and students will also be able to ask for permission to use the toilet or for extra answer sheets. When the exam ends, candidates will place their answer books in separate plastic bags. The authority says 60 invigilators will be available, and more can be trained if needed. Shanghai has reported eight more deaths of people with COVID and more than 18,000 new local infections. The city's death toll in the current outbreak now stands at 25. Here's Natalie Ching again. Officials say the eight people who have died all had other illnesses apart from COVID, including coronary heart disease and kidney failure, and it was these other problems that was the direct cause of their deaths. The Shanghai Municipal Health Commission says six of the eight patients were not vaccinated against COVID. It's reported 18,495 new local infections, down around 400 from the previous day. The commission also says authorities have issued a notice banning hospitals from turning away patients who don't have a negative COVID test result. It says hospitals can't shirk their responsibilities or delay treatment, and buffer zones must be set up for such patients where they can be quickly given COVID tests. Away from Shanghai, other parts of the mainland have seen another 887 local infections, a large chunk of them in Jilin Province. Turning overseas, President Putin has ordered the Russian military to seal off the Azovstal industrial zone in Mariupol, the last bastion of Ukrainian resistance in the city. The Ukrainian presidential adviser said Russia had changed tactics as it understood it wasn't able to seize the plant. Russia has claimed victory in the battle for Mariupol. Earlier, President Vladimir Putin congratulated his defense minister Sergei Shoigu on taking control of the strategically crucial port city. The completion of military operations to free Mariupol is a success. I congratulate you. Please pass on our gratitude to the troops. I want them all to know that in our eyes they are all heroes. In the eyes of all Russia, Ukraine's armed forces report that Russia is continuing its assault along the entire line of contact in the Donbas region and in the south of Ukraine. It said Russia continued to launch missile and bomb attacks on military and civilian infrastructure. Russia has summoned the ambassadors of Lit- Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia and ordered the closure of their consulates. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs said it was retaliation for recent closures of Russian consulates in the Baltic states, but also cited their military support for Ukraine. The president of the World Bank, David Malpass, says the world faces a human catastrophe from the food crisis arising from Russia's conflict with Ukraine. The International Development Institution estimates the war could push food prices up by more than a third. Mr. Malpass warned the rise is pushing hundreds of millions of people towards poverty. He told the BBC, "There's enough food in the world to feed everybody, but it has to be shared." We're entering this crisis with global stockpiles pretty large by historical standards, and so that's good. And there'll have to be a sharing process or a sales process. And so I think、uh, there's enough,、uh, but people in poor countries are going to be left out because of the high price. The EU is asking its citizens to drive less, turn down the air conditioning, and even work from home three days a week to reduce the bloc's reliance on Russian energy. The measures, drawn up with the International Energy Agency, will help save money, reduce climate impact, and show solidarity with Ukraine. The BBC's Ben King reports. Europe depends so heavily on oil and gas imports from Russia that it can't get the supplies it needs anywhere else. 
so European countries have to keep buying and helping to fund the war in Ukraine. The EU is now calling on its people to support Ukraine and reduce the flow of funds to Russia by cutting their energy use. The nine-point plan urges citizens to drive less by using public transport or working from home three days a week. People should heat their homes less in winter and use less air conditioning in summer. It says a typical household could save $490 off its energy bills. In other news, Jordan is hosting an emergency meeting of fellow Arab states in response to rising tensions between the Palestinians and Israel. Jordan administers Al-Aqsa Mosque, where a number of Palestinians have been injured or arrested by Israeli security forces in recent days. The BBC's Yolanda Nell is in Jerusalem. This started as Israeli police tried to clear the courtyard of Al-Aqsa Mosque of Muslim worshippers after the dawn prayers to make way for Jewish visitors. And of course, we know it's at the moment an overlapping holiday, uh, Ramadan for Muslims and Passover for Jews. That has put increased pressure on this very bitterly contested holy site. The police have put out statements saying that actually problems started last night. They say Palestinians threw a petrol bomb, even setting fire uh, to a carpet at the entrance of the mosque and causing a small fire. They've made several arrests. The International Court of Justice has ruled in favour of Nicaragua in a long-running dispute with Colombia over maritime waters in the Caribbean Sea. The BBC's Nicholas Rocha has more details. The International Court of Justice has ordered the government in Bogota to immediately cease its patrols and other activities on waters it lost to Nicaragua in 2012. Back then, the court ruled that nearly 75,000 square kilometers of waters surrounding a Colombian archipelago were located in Nicaragua's exclusive economic zone. Colombia, however, has ignored the ruling, saying its continued presence was due to other imperatives, such as maritime rescue and the fight against drug trafficking. Sport now, the Association of Tennis Professionals have hit back at Wimbledon's decision to ban Russian and Belarusian players, saying it's unfair and has the potential to set a damaging precedent. Sergei Stakovsky retired from tennis after the Australian Open in January and returned home to Ukraine to join the army. He gave his views on the Wimbledon ban. I do have a sympathy for them, and I know that there will be some who were against it, they were vocal about it, but they will bear the consequences of the rest. You cannot be tolerating here but not tolerating there. I mean, every individual in Russia has to feel the consequences of their government. If you don't like, if you want to compete, well, I'm pretty sure there's many countries who would welcome you as their citizens. And in the NBA playoffs, Joel Embiid made a three-pointer with less than a second left in overtime to give the Philadelphia 76ers a 104-101 victory over the Raptors in Toronto and a commanding 3-0 lead in the first-round series. In Boston, the Celtics took a 2-0 series lead over the Brooklyn Nets thanks to 22 points by Jalen Brown in Game 2. And the Chicago Bulls levelled their series with the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's the news from RTHK. Radio
for Stevie Wonder, my Sharia Amour, and to our second hour this Thursday night in Hong Kong. Thanks ever so much for tuning in. Our marvellous musical, magical mystery tour continues. This is a song from Carol Bear Sager. <laughs> 